Hey, podcast listeners. Yes, you read the title right. It is not the season four finale that we preluded to in our last episode. Alluded. Allu- yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is our Daredevil bonus episode of Marvel's Daredevil season one. We're not going back in time anymore. We're like... This is happening right now. We're yeah. live. Right now. That's why they're bonus episodes, because they're not part of our usual schedule. Exactly. They're bonuses. Um, here we had our friend David Kleppi join us. Oh, yes. Uh, as well as Matthew Eberline, mm-hmm. a wonderful guest. Mm-hmm. And we phoned Ben in just uh, for clarification on why his audio quality is much different than the rest of us. So next week, we're also going to be giving to you our opinions of Avengers 2. In fact, we're probably going to put it in our regular style. Money it's, might be a little different, but... Yeah. It's fresh, though. We've all seen it. Right, Ben? Money makes the world? Yes, I've seen it. <laughs> Money makes the world go around. Of that, we can be sure. <laughs> Are you s- quoting? Mark Ariane. I'm quoting a uh, 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 musical. Show tunes. <laughs> uh, cabaret. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mark Ariane, a buck or a pound, that clinking, clinking, clinking sound that makes the world go round. Tara-ra-boom, <laughs> Good thing you're that's not from, single, Ben. That's from Aristocats. <laughs> no, it's not. That's... Yeah, it is. They reference it in uh, Aristocats, but it's it's its own song. Yeah, I know that. I'm saying it's in Aristocats. Okay, yes, it he is. He said in Arist- from. Got to be careful with your verbiage. Yeah, it's from. Otherwise, you start fights. Whatever. <laughs> you start fights. Okay. You know who starts fights? Daredevil. So, nice. <laughs> uh, so he, he, here we go. A bonus episode. Daredevil, season one, superhero movie club. Spoiler alert. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined in the studio today by the movie maestro, James Gellerhoutsma, the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson, and two esteemed guests. We have a creative writer, Matt Eberlein, and an EMT, David Kleppi. Movie review podcasts are a dime a dozen here at SHMC. We like to call ourselves a movie discussion podcast. In this case, it's a TV discussion podcast. We cover everything else about the TV you maybe didn't notice, including their budgets, music, source books, and hell, even the science. This week, I hope you're ready for Marvel's Daredevil Season 1. Oh, good. Ben's got the outline open. Yay! <laughs> I can't tell. I'm, I'm not a casual. <laughs> I've done this before. Yeah. All right, so I think, you know, normally when we do first opinions and we all go around the table and stuff like that, but I want to say all of us sort of hold the same consensus when it comes to Marvel's Daredevil Season 1, and that it was pretty bombastic. It was a masterpiece. Any disagreements? None here. No. no. <laughs> yeah. No, it, was, it was fantastic. It's, it's bomb diggity. 
So we all had our consensus that this was an amazing show. Does anyone have anything critical that they can, like, man, this was so great. There is one teensy-beensy little thing that I wish they would have done. Which was? No, no, no. I'm asking you. Oh, okay. No? No, I think it was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right, then. I guess it was perfect. Marvel's Daredevil Season 1 was perfect. Well, first of all, was this better than the movie? Not according to my girlfriend's dad, but but he also thinks Captain America the Winter Soldier isn't very good, so... Oh, well, I think you need to break up with your girlfriend. (laughs) So there's some context there. (laughs) Yeah, you need to break up with your girlfriend's dad, at least. (laughs) Just write him out of the will. (laughs) The will? (laughs) You're saying that I'm dying before he is? It could happen. You never know. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a really strange will. <laughs> yeah. So Skyler, why don't you talk to me about we're gonna we're gonna switch things up since this isn't a normal episode type deal. We haven't done TV before. This is the first time we're doing TV. Exciting. True. True. Okay. So going into uh, Marvel's Daredevil, uh, there have been some criticisms of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe from let's just say people and not just me. That uh, up until this point, a lot of their stuff, not all of it, but a sizable amount has been fluff. Fluffy, not much stakes going on, you know, doesn't carry much weight to it. Okay. And there's also the uh, criticism that they haven't been able to rein in a really good villain thus far. Well, more than one really good villain. I was going to say, Loki notwithstanding. Right. More than one really good villain. Okay. So, Daredevil is basically the answer to all those criticisms in that it has weight. There are consequences to everything that happens in this show. Not everyone makes it out of by the last episode, which some of which are the deaths are pretty shocking if you know the uh, background. And we have a terrific villain in Wilson Fisk, not called here the Kingpin, but he's the Kingpin, so whatever. And I'll let the King. By Ben Urich. Not explicitly called, but... I suppose. King playing card, supposed to infer that, oh, yeah, of course. Basically, the point is that Marvel took their biggest weaknesses thus far in their movies and made them some of their biggest strengths in the TV show. So, uh, bravo. And, you know, they've had their chances with TV shows before, right? This yeah. isn't Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, no, this isn't Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's not Peggy Carter. No. But, Skyward, tell me about the music of Daredevil. Okay, well, music of Daredevil is written by Joe Paisano. I, I've never heard of this person before, but apparently he's done the Maze Runner TV series Crisis. So this is probably a big leap into the the big time for him. Are you telling me the Maze Runner wasn't big time? I'm telling you the Maze Runner wasn't big time. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the most notable musical part of Daredevil is the intro, which borrows a lot from kind of the TV superhero model of music from people like Blake Neely or Bear McCreary. A lot of rhythmic ostinatos instead of defined melody, I would say. I just, okay, when you say Blake Neely, Blake Neely did the, the Flash and Arrow. Yes, so I've heard. <laughs> and, and those sounds are like, it's just a bunch of violins going at it. 
Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I was listening to the Daredevil theme. Like, did Blake Neely get his hands in another superhero theme? Because <laughs> it sounds a lot like Blake Neely, not distinctively, but very similar. Right. It's it's kind of that gritty TV sound where you just do that rhythm over and over to identify a character or a show or whatnot instead of the melody that's there, which. You know, you can hear it under the intro to the show, but uh, it's not the most prominent sound. I miss good TV themes like Lost. <laughs> Lost is also just a sound, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to talk about the music? Hey. Do you do you want to do you want me to play? Yes. Blake, the theme that we've all heard a bunch of times. Yes. Okay. Do that. Then everybody take a moment and be quiet. I did not. I did not care for the theme. I would, honestly, uh, that would be my one criticism. Is like, is like, it just kind of sounded generic and a little boring. I got revved up every time it came on, but the visuals helped a lot. The whole bleeding everything in that in that part. Mm. Kind of was it blood? I thought it was wax. Oh, that's for some too. reason. Either way, sets the tone for what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's next, Matthew? How are you? Good. How are you, Matthew? Tell us story. Yes. see he's so good he's reading my mind he already knows how to tell stories so good he knows what i want before i want it well anyway story obviously it's dark it's heavy very thematic i know there's like a an underlying theme of how far does a hero go before it becomes a villain what i find the most intriguing is the character development especially with wilson fisk unlike murdoch he seems to be almost more sympathetic like this show often revolves more around him than it does with murdoch or daredevil it almost seems to be his show half the time. It's something you haven't really seen before in a superhero television, really. Yeah. I think uh, Stephen S. Tonight, the showrunner for this season, went on record saying that this is as much a Kingpin origin story as it is a Daredevil origin story. And I, that shows pretty thoroughly. I'd say so. Yeah, like I said before, he seems more sympathetic. Like, there are times where you almost feel sorry for him more than you do for Murdoch. When Murdoch's got this deep-seated anger underneath that often comes to the surface. I mean... Fisk has it too, but it's kind of it's a product of some of the stuff he went through as a kid, and you just feel pretty bad for him at times. He's, yeah. he's, he's human, which you don't see a lot of in a lot. I think a lot of comic book adaptations. You see the the one dimensional. I want to rule the world. Yeah. Destroy the world. Destroy a person. But everybody in the show is a person. Everyone's got a backstory, which I thought was neat. I feel like Wilson Fisk is just a better version of Bane. From the Dark Knight Rises, 
<laughs> because he's, he's this huge white dude who's fairly good at crushing people's windpipes who wants to remake the city in his image. And, like, they both have, like, this tragic backstory about their childhood that explains why they're so messed up. But, like, Wilson's is just better, and I think just because you have, you know, 13 episodes to really flesh out his character, whereas Bane was like, well, you know, here's a thing 20 minutes from the end where we explain, oh, he's not all bad. Just tell the audience that, you know. Yeah, they both fall in love at some point throughout the story. There seems to be a lot of parallels between the Dark Knight series and Daredevil. Can you explain to me, at least as as well as you can, Matt, the push and pull of the Vanessa Wilson relationship? Because it just seems like, okay, he, Wilson woos her mm-hmm. first and Vanessa woos him, of course. But, like, it just seems so weird that, that they went through all the crap. And then, and then she's still there like, I know you're the kingpin of crime, but I stand by you. I still love you. It's like, ah, can, you, can you explain some sort of things I didn't pick up on in that regard? I think it has to do with Fisk's vision for the city. He thinks he, what he's doing is right. And even he thinks the end justifies the means. I think she believes in that. I think there's also this element that we see in episode five when they're on their second date and he blows up the Russian thing. It came off as this kind of proletariat one percenter thing like oh you know standing above the people cleaning up the streets by any means necessary they're both kind of these tea drinkers or perhaps cake eaters is a better (laughs) word but (laughs) there there seems to be that element of class wonderful anything else matt all right so i came up with a list of the top five quotes but I thought were the best from the show. Want me to read them off? How about we just have everyone pick one that okay. they that they personally thought was their favorite quote? But we'll well since you have gone through the research and easily have the best one, um, we'll start with we'll start with Ben here in my ear. Oh gosh, the uh, the one that comes to mind immediately. I don't know if it's my favorite quote, but I, I didn't write any down. Um, so this is just off the top of my head. But it's when we first see Wilson Fisk in the art gallery and the. Um, Vanessa comes up to him and she's like, here's this painting, it's just variations of the shade of white. And then she said, and it's not about the name of the artist or the skill required to make the piece, but it's about how it makes you feel. And then my favorite quote that comes to mind that I thought was especially good was Wilson Fisk's first line, it makes me feel alone. Ooh. I was like, I was like, okay, I'm guessing that's the the main, the big bad for the series. <laughs> and I'm already, like, I'm already, like, drawn into the character. I'm already interested. Solid. I also have to pick a Wilson Fisk quote, and it has to be the moment when Vanessa is going into, what, surgery or some something? Emergency room in the hospital. And she's like, no, you can't come in here. Do you know who I am? And she's like, no, sir, it doesn't matter. And you're like, whoa, Wilson, you need to, you're about to snap an orderly's neck because, like, that's how pissed you are, and I could feel it through the television. But go ahead, David. Well, I particularly liked the lighter aspects of the show. I really liked how how much of a ladies' man Matt was. So my favorite line in the show would be when uh, when they're interviewing the... Uh, Mrs. Cardenas. Mrs. Cardenas. And when Karen is translating, and then she realizes that Matt speaks Spanish, so she offers to stop, and Matt just goes, No, I really like listening to your voice. And Foggy even oh. rolls his eyes because it's just kind of obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> but the smooth aspect of, of Matt is really like one of my favorite things of the show. It's like a blind just man. How, just how casual in. he is. It's just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Go yeah. ahead, Skyward. It's funny you say that because my pick was uh, Matt's opening 
monologue of the show when he's talking first to the priest about letting the devil out. Like, that's such a great moment of figuring out who he is, why he's doing this, and really just acting. Because I believe that's just all one take for about four minutes. And it's just this great moment where you realize, oh, this show is going to kick ass. (laughs) But other than that, if I had to pick a runner-up, I do enjoy basically everything Stick does in this show. (laughs) And the flashback to when he's training Matt, knocks the kid down, whatever, and he's like, time to stop taking a beating and start giving one. And they, like, ramp up the music, like the kid's just going to whip his ass, and then he just puts him in an arm hold, and it's like, wah, wah. You're still a little kid (laughs) who's blind. (laughs) And now, finally, Matt, what is your favorite quote? Mine have to be from the final episode when Fisk is in the back of the van being hauled off to jail with the two guards, and he's reflecting essentially on his role in the whole, everything that's going on. And he says, I am the ill intent who set upon the traveler on a road that he should not have been on. I really like that. That was was a great moment at the because you're like, oh, damn. It's about to go down. You know it. Because <laughs> you're like, how's he going to get out of this situation? The moment he becomes the kingpin. Yes. Power. That's how he does it. And Daredevil has to stop him because no one else can. And it's set up where usually those moments are kind of cheesy. But that was just... It had a hint of cheesiness, but it was per- well placed. But thank you, Matt. Ben, how are you doing over there? I'm pretty good. I could get used to it. Not coming to the studio. Yeah, I'm not going to allow that because phone quality uh, is not good. Oh. <laughs> uh, Sorry about that. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but, Ben, give me a little bit of science to go with this Daredevil brew. I can do science. Yeah, yeah. so the main thing in this in this uh, series was Daredevil's blind, so his other senses, like, compensate for that. And so he has really good hearing and he has really good... A sense of touch and like all the others there's like 17 of them or something <laughs> uh, um, and that is actually a thing that happens and most people think that it's because like if you can't see then you have to hear everything and so you have more practice listening to auditory information and interpreting it which is true but it actually physically changes your brain so your your visual cortex, which isn't receiving in, any information, will actually, you know, it, it's called neuroplasticity, where, like, certain structures of the brain do specific tasks, but that can change over time quite dramatically. People who are blind, they'll put them in a MRI machine and study what areas of the brain are active, and they still have active visual cortexes, even if there's no... You know, there's nothing coming in from their eyes. Neato. I I don't think you could become a ninja because you can hear so well. (laughs) Well, they take that, they just take that, what you explained, and they exacerbate it to just unreal. Like when in that scene where Charlie Cox or Matt Murdock is describing to Foggy his superpowers, he's like, I know things that you had like onions two days ago or something like that. Yeah. It's like, I don't think like, anybody can really do that but Daredevil mm-hmm. can. Didn't he say once that he could actually tell when someone's bleeding because he could taste the iron in the air Ugh. or the copper? That's yeah. Right. Ooh. He's got a lot of things. Like, he doesn't need Braille. He can just feel the ink imprints on books and oh, be yeah. able to read them. In the very first comic, he could 
like tell what color his costume was by feeling it, which is really dumb. But <laughs> <laughs> that's just how good he yeah, was. So well, they hadn't figured it out yet. Right. It goes without saying that he straight up has superpowers and his abilities are exaggerated. But uh, this is something that can happen with everyday humans. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And I, actually, I have one more thing. Yes. He has this whole like I see a world on fire type deal. Yes. Okay. There's an episode of I think Radio Lab, maybe This American Life, where they interviewed a blind person who can navigate by echolocation and like they, just clicking and knowing where they are. Yeah. So like they either like tap their cane on the ground um, and listen for the echoes, or they make a clicking sound with their mouth, like, but you know, much more precise. Uh, and they can actually they they did studies on them and they determined that they can actually form images. Oh my gosh, what? Literally like a bat. Like a bat will squeak and then hear the echo and it, bats can form images based on that information. So can blind people who have learned how to echolocate. That's actually so flippin' amazing. Like, so, do you know, you can visualize something you've never actually seen before mm-hmm. because you hear the echoes bounce off of it? Yep. Oh man, now I want to be blind. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's very, it's a hard skill to learn. Very few people who are blind actually learn how to do this. But that's actually crazy cool. Nuts. Yeah, if they tried to drive, they'd probably just get an image of the inside of the car, which wouldn't be terribly helpful. Well, maybe like what? They drive a motorcycle. Maybe they do. Well, and let's just say they can do it. Then how are they echolocating? Are they using the horn? Because that's really Not counterproductive just. for the other drivers. <laughs> <laughs> if you got this car driving the road, meep, meep, meep. Th- like, this is how I see. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, blinds? <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> Furthermore, this is the last thing. The the images that people who can echolocate can form are probably about as precise as you and I's, like, peripheral vision. Like, good enough to, like, walk down Manhattan with. Uh, maybe. I've never maybe. looked with just my peripheral vision. Everybody in the studio right now is trying to imagine what it would be like to just look with your peripheral vision. So, <laughs> squinty. <laughs> We're all just a bunch of squinting jackasses right now. <laughs> just, like, staring with one eye and, like, trying not to focus on our finger in front of our faces. It's pretty nuts. <laughs> Uh, so that's science. Wonderful. Thank you, Ben. David, how's it going? Oh, it's going well, guys. How are you guys doing? <laughs> sweaty. <laughs> it is pretty hot out it's, and muggy. Oh, yeah, it's sweaty. <laughs> so, David, tell Delicious. us tell us your favorite, your your spin on Daredevil, an aspect you, you specialize in and want to explain. Well, I am an EMT, and that, that doesn't make me a doctor, and that doesn't really make me an expert. But I do have experience seeing people in... Uh, uh, trauma situations where they've been in a car accident or been beat up or stabbed, stuff like that. Um, so, sliced to bits by a ninja? Uh, I haven't actually seen that one, but First I know stories. I know kind of what it would look like. <laughs> so that that was interesting to me, to see him get beat up so many times and then just have this like kind of incredible resilience. And I think a, a little bit of that comes from when he was talking to Stick. Stick was teaching him that if he meditated... He could increase his his healing rate or how fast he healed. Mm-hmm. Um, that is actually a pretty legitimate thing. There's a lot of evidence that your uh, your frame of mind or or how you think about a situation really affects how your body reacts to it. 
So that's why, like, for instance, cancer patients, uh, their families are taught to be really positive about it because as long as everyone is positive about it, they generally have a better outcome. It's not as dramatic as, like, if you get a broken bone, as long as I think hard enough about it, <laughs> it'll cure up, you know, a week and a half faster. It's not that dramatic, but it is legitimate, and I enjoyed that. One of the biggest things I thought about during the show was how many fractures he had to have. And it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Because he does stuff like just straight up jump off buildings. And that's just, that's not good. You know, there are ways There are ways to, to take big falls and stuff. Uh, free runners will do it where they, they roll out of things and they can transfer their weight. They can space their weight out over a distance. And uh, it helps them to not receive so many impacts. But then when you see things like him fighting in a garage with a bunch of Russians and he gets, you know, the butt of a gun right into his nose, that's, you know, he's not really distributing that force very well because <laughs> your nose doesn't distribute force very well, guys. Not very well at all. So broken bones are, are a kind of big deal because uh, your bone marrow is where blood is made. So when you get a broken bone, you get fractures, compound fractures or not, they bleed a lot. You get in internal bleeding, and that's why you see a lot of bruises. And that's probably why we see a lot of bruises on him throughout the show would be fractures, most likely. They usually take at least a few weeks to heal up if you get the proper medical attention, which he does not. That also can give us a little bit of a an idea of the timeline of the show, is how fast you know he gets the, the cuts and the, the abrasions on his face and stuff. And then the next scene, we see them heal up. Well, we know that had to be like at least a week or two for those things to really seal up and become invisible again. Unless he's using a lot of foundation because <laughs> I, I have seen people do that, cover up their, their wounds. But uh, Claire Temple is a very, very valuable aspect to the show. Her medical expertise keeps him alive multiple times. <laughs> and it, it really helps him receive that professional care that he needs to, to get uh, fixed up. I believe there's one part in the show where he was giving himself stitches or sutures, and I'm just going to call bullcrap on that right now <laughs> because stitches hurt a lot. They hurt a lot. And giving yourself stitches is really, like, I don't think I could do it for sure. And also, he's blind, so he can't <laughs> see what he's doing. <laughs> and he's just going by feel, but the, the, the pain that he's experiencing would be pretty extreme because, you know, stitches are like shoelaces that you shove into your skin, guys, and then you pull your skin tight. That's a that's a really bad thing. Are they really that thick? What do you mean? Thick as shoelaces? Oh. Like, are they as thick as shoelaces? Not as thick as shoelaces, no. Okay. Uh, f like a fishing line would probably be a best way to look okay, at but, it. Okay, but still. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, and, and the problem is that then when you... When you're pulling the skin tight so that you can get your knot in it, it's just this little tiny string that is going through your skin and pulling your skin, sometimes a half inch to an inch, to get that wound channel to close. Uh, they're really painful. I very recently had stitches, and I had to have those stitches in my in my back for four weeks before they could take them out. And you took Vicodin. And, and I was taking Vicodin, yeah. Well, not just for the stitches, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> So you shouldn't be very, fighting baddies. You should not be fighting baddies. They have a tendency to, to break, so they'll just break right through the skin if you put too much pressure on uh -huh. it. Uh -huh. so, then, so then that wound channel, the original wound channel, is going to open back up, and on top of it, you're going to have like 50 little tiny wound channels that come from the stitches literally being ripped out. Oh, God. Oh, and yeah, that's rough. 
he he does that at one point. I think it was his shoulder was being stitched up, and uh, the the first time he meets Claire, she put a bunch of stitches in his side or his shoulder, and he was really really ginger for for most of that episode. But uh, he definitely popped those. He definitely popped those things a lot, and that's <laughs> that's rough. It's gotta hurt so bad. Well. In, like, the last few episodes, he had that huge wound in his side, and he just, like, every episode, it seemed like he just opened it up again and again and again. Which is really, that's really how they work. I've seen some people with, with stitches open up, and the, they can literally just open up by turning your head too fast. Uh. And you got you got stitches on your shoulder or on your neck, something you turn a little too fast, and they just bloop. There it goes. Yep, there Ow. it goes. It's just like getting it again, and then on top of it, you got the stitches pulling out. So those are, uh, that's rough. You're done. Please stop. Yeah. <laughs> this hurts <laughs> to think about. Okay, let's talk about compound fractures for a minute, though. <laughs> oh, all right, so compound fractures are where a fracture goes all the way through the bone. They almost always require surgery to fix those. I saw a little girl break her arm, and uh, she she fell off of a horse, believe it or not, and she she had her her arm bent in at a funny angle when she landed and that fracture was so clean that when i looked at the x-ray it looked like she had two different bones where there was one bone and now that's just the force of a little maybe maybe 90 pound girl falling 3 or 4 feet in an awkward position you know and he falls several times from farther than that and he weighs a lot more than that and so his bones have got to be like incredibly dense <laughs> To be taking these hits over and over again, and well, didn't he say that's genetic? That is, he can learn to take a beating from his dad. That's poor phrasing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's, well, there's a difference between learning to take a beating and your bones being resilient enough to fall two stories onto concrete. But like, oh wow, you take a punch really well, and he's like, I got that from my dad. Yeah. Plus, I'm Catholic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got that from my Catholic dad. <laughs> I gotta ask one thing now. As an EMT, what would you recommend for someone whose head has been turned into jelly by a car door? Cremation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say six feet under for sure. <laughs> yeah, May- maybe a quick stop at the emergency room to see if there's anything they can do, but <laughs> it's kind of doubtful. No, you gotta you gotta hold out hope as long as you become can. an organ donor before that happens. Yeah, <laughs> you wheel it in, you wheel the body in. Hey, can you do anything? <laughs> no, nah, didn't think so. Morgue's that on, way. <laughs> on, on the St. John Cemetery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that'll do it with that section. Now to, oh, look, I get to talk a little bit about the Easter eggs of Daredevil. Because besides all the fun things and how great this television show was and how many different angles and aspects there were to it and stuff like that, it is a Marvel property. Therefore, it is peppered with little little Marvel Easter eggs noting that, hello, this was made from a comic book. And there's you could read up on a lot of multiple articles that are like, Fogwell's Jim, that was in the comics. Roscoe and this guy, that was in the comics. Um, and a lot of them are different fun. My favorite one was how they changed how Kingpin killed his father. Because in the show, he takes a hammer to him, just pap, 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 dead. In the comic books, it's a little bit more brutal in that Kingpin fills a bag with rats and tapes that bag over his father's head. And that's just frightening. Do you recall what time they kind of revealed that in, as far as when they wrote that? Uh, That was actually, I think, in a Punisher comic. 
in Punisher Max. Okay. Don't quote me. Okay. <laughs> I may have read a lot of comics. I haven't read all of the comics. I just asked because I remember that I watched a Watch Mojo video about the Kingpin, and apparently the first medium to actually explore his background was Spider-Man the Animated Series back in the 90s. So. Ooh. Uh, also, how does Daredevil really fit into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because now we have, oh my goodness, all of the Marvel Phase 1 movies almost all of the Marvel Phase 2 movies, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Peggy Carter, and is that it? Is that everything? The Marvel The Marvel one-shots. No, yeah. Which are meh. But where does Daredevil take place? It takes place pretty much directly after the Avengers because at the Daily Bulletin, there's these newspaper clippings of the attack on New York and stuff like that. But it doesn't seem to be affected at all by anything else other than the attack on New York. Because it pretty much stays in Hell's Kitchen, which, by the way, is a real place. It's in Manhattan. I was always wondering that because they can constantly say, we're going to make Hell's Kitchen a better place. Is that just a part of New York? Is it New York? Are they- no, it's a real neighborhood. Yeah, it's just a neighborhood that. in New York. I didn't know. They have a reference in the movie that was like, they call it Chelsea now. Well, okay. <laughs> What's fun also to look at is Ben Urich's role in this show. And we are a spoiler cast, so we don't really hold anything back. Ben Urich dies. Sorry, guys. I hope you watch this whole Daredevil before you listen to this podcast, because it's really hard to hold back <laughs> and still have a really engaging discussion. But Ben Urich is in the Daily Bulletin. And what's so interesting about this is we know Ben Urich as in the comic books being a Spider-Man character and being in the Daily Bugle, which is, you know, Spider-Man's place of work. Ben Yurik is one of those fun little crossover characters in terms of property rights, whereas, like, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch can be owned by both Fox and Marvel. Ben Yurik can be owned by both Fox and Sony because he's very heavily involved in Spider-Man as he is in Daredevil. But at the same time, they can't mention Daily Bugle because Daredevil doesn't have anything to do with Daily Bugle hardly ever. But the thing is, now Marvel has its little dip in a toe in the Spider-Man world because of the deal they made with Sony. The executive producer on Daredevil is like, man, if they had made that decision eight months earlier, you bet your sweet socks I would have put the Daily Bugle in there. You'd know it. And <laughs> it would open up the world of, you know, J- characters like J. Joma Jameson and Betty Brandt and Robbie Robertson and all those guys. But sadly, no. Possible in the future, because you could say the Daily Bugle bought out the bulletin. And ta-da, we now have this very interconnected world. The only other thing that Daredevil is really connected to is, of course, the other television shows that are coming, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Power Man, and Iron Iron Fist. Leading up to Defenders. Defenders. And... What's great about these is, so far, Jessica Jones is the only one with a lot of information out, really, because it's supposed to come out sometime in 2015. It's the only other one they've started shooting. Yeah, like, uh, they picked the cast for, like, Luke Cage, and Luke Cage is going to be in Jessica Jones, and, oh, man, a doctor, the 10th doctor, David Tennant, is going to be, like, the main villain of Jessica Jones, so (laughs) the nerd cred is through the roof right now. And Kristen Ritter, who, (laughs) if you've ever seen that be in Apartment 23... But anyway, Daredevil doesn't seem to be involved at all in as as news reports that Jessica in Jessica Jones. But eventually they're all going to get together and there's rumors of course that if these characters are successful enough and judging by how 
we all reacted to Daredevil, Daredevil's very successful. <laughs> but we may only be a select demographic. But still, judging by their success, they may make appearances in the Marvel films, which to see Daredevil fight, like, punch Loki in the face, amazing. Or really to just see, not even to have him fight villains, just to see him next to, like, sizing up Thor. Like, oh, I can I can smell the meat on your breath from three days ago. How was your trip to Asgard? <laughs> and then, and, and, oh, I just can't wait for those conversations because Marvel is known for its snark. And I feel as if Daredevil is just a perfect ingredient to add to the snark. One of the great things about the show is just the dry humor between Murdoch and Foggy Nelson. So to translate that over would be awesome. On the topic of Easter eggs, though, I did think it was kind of interesting that Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are the next two coming out. Mm-hmm. But this show had the most allusions to Iron Fist, which is a ways out in you know, the characters of Madame Gao and Nobu and how the drugs they were peddling had the steel serpent mm-hmm. symbol on them. Iron Fist's notable symbol. Yeah. So that was kind of an unexpected aspect for a show, for two shows that are so widely removed thus far. Is the whole Black Sky thing supposed to tie in with that too? Black Sky is 100% original. I looked it up because I saw the Black Sky episode, you know, that little kid who can apparently do something devastating. We don't know yet. It's very ominous. But it's like, what is that? I feel as if I should have read a comic book on that. <laughs> my nerd uh, my nerd sense just goes off. Just, hold on. Let me find Wikipedia real quick. Or Comic <laughs> Vine. What does it say? Oh, we don't know what Black Sky is. Oh, okay. Nerd. Television show. <laughs> You're giddy. I thought, they were just, I thought they were just setting up like the plot for season two. Pretty, oh, yeah. Was there not even going to be a season two of Daredevil? And now there is? They weren't planning on it. You know, they were just going to stick to the one season individual. of each. One season yeah. of each, Defenders, you know, call it quits. Or maybe then do, you know, season two. But I think it's pretty clear that we're not just a little demographic and that the show is incredibly popular. So Ooh. Amazing. What's our wish for season two of Daredevil? <laughs> Bullseye. Punisher. I, I still want to see more about that Black Sky stuff. True. Uh, I'd like to see Wilson Fisk out of prison. Mm-hmm. Ben? I'd like to see more perfectly choreographed action sequences, like the one at the end of episode two. Yes. Uh, in that, like one in that hallway? Shot. Yeah, like, just in the hallway, it was one shot for, like, four minutes, perfectly choreographed, beautiful cinematography. That That's when I thought, fell in love with the show. Absolutely. I keep picturing that part where the guy comes around the corner and he gets the cabinet to the face. <laughs> I think it was a microwave. Was it a microwave? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or yeah, and when like Daredevil just like peels himself off the wall and like does a little uh, like sidestepping dance, like he's boxing. <laughs> like okay, here we go, <laughs> bringing him back to his roots, uh, throwing a right hook. There you go. <laughs> awesome, so cool. That and of course, like you said, Punisher. Just all those characters that Marvel has sort of scooped up and doesn't really have anywhere to put yet, and now. Oh, why don't we throw a little ghost? Put right him in Hell's there? Kitchen. Yeah, put him in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> A little, just a little sprinkle of Ghost Rider, maybe a sprinkle of the Punisher. Ghost Rider and Hell's Kitchen, who'd have seen it coming? Uh, <laughs> there's just so much wonderful things that can happen, and I just want more. 13 hours was not enough, even though all these episodes were like 50 minutes, <laughs> it wasn't enough. The worst thing they can do is just start cramming too much stuff in, which they have more leeway in to do because longer show can fit more in. But the great thing about this show is that they developed everything they set up so nicely. Mm. 
Wonderful. Which is the reason I really want to see Wilson Fisk getting out of prison, because we've seen that full development of his character now into the Kingpin. Absolutely. He's too interesting of a villain to sideline you know not ever use again absolutely mm-hmm. um and uh vincent what's his name D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Yeah, D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. what a star-studded performance oh so good actually everyone really there was not a performance that i was upset with in even the slightest regard <laughs> all right anything else anyone wants to get out there before we wrap up today this is my favorite marvel studios thing ever <laughs> <laughs> thank you skylar i really appreciate that they took a uh, they were really dark with this show because I felt like most of the movies that have been coming out so far have all been really light, kind of humorous in Even nature. the TV shows. Even, yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. especially was really like, oh, yay, everything is nice. And this show was really dark the whole time. And I kept thinking I, back to The Dark Knight with all the how gritty it was. There's more blood in this, obviously, but I kept getting that vibe. Yeah, some dude but, shoves his face into a broken pipe. Uh, uh, that's yeah. That's messed up. You can't do that on network television, unless it's CSI. That that one got me a little bit. I didn't like watching that. Back <laughs> the car door. Oh, the car door was yeah. messed up. <laughs> Anything from me, Ben? Oh, what got to me? Uh, I'm pretty jaded, so I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. There's blood. Eh. All right, then. I think that'll do it today. <laughs> Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studios of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. If you want to tweet any questions to us or just continue the discussion on this show's topic, follow us on Twitter at SuperheroMC. And also make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. You can catch every episode as it comes out on the weekends and every bonus episode as this will be. And like us on Facebook to keep up to date with us throughout each week. So that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Gatherhoutsma. And Ben Anderson. David Kleppy. Matt Eberlein. And I hope you all continue to have a super week. We fight every night for something. When the sun sets, we're both the same. Half in the shadows, half burned in flames. We can't look back for nothing. Take what you need, say a goodbye. So I give you everything.